welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I am motivated to record this right now, although I did zero preparation uh, ahead of time. It's definitely um, something that has been on my mind that I've thought about. I think I've talked about it on this podcast before, and I uh, definitely can talk about it again. So I had just released this week the at the time that I'm recording this, the most frequently asked cookie questions. And at the time this comes out, I guess this was two weeks ago. And (laughs) I had some comments that came to the group slash to my email slash to my private DMs where several of you said, absolutely, yes, please do an episode about a parents meeting, even though a lot of you have already had had your parents meeting for cookie season. So to do an episode about having a cookie parents meeting. I want to say that Parent and guardian meetings are difficult for a lot of reasons. First of all, what to say is difficult. And second of all, getting people to come attend them is difficult. (laughs) That's my experience. I would typically say ideal parents meetings would be at the very beginning of the year, the beginning of the season, right? The beginning of the school year, right before cookie season. And then at the end of the year as like a wrap up, that would be ideal. (laughs) In my experience, getting parents to attend one out of three is an accomplishment. So I want to start there and just acknowledge it is a challenge. So I would say there's some different ways to get parents to attend. When they're new, it's a lot easier to get them to attend because they have a lot of questions. So that's the first thing. The second thing is (laughs) that if they have some kind of incentive to attend that helps. Now, incentive can be a lot of different things, right? And I would say it shouldn't impact the girls because it's never something that we want to reward or penalize girls based on their the adults in their lives, on their action or lack of action. The incentive has to be for the parents, not for the girls. But That could look like all kinds of things. You could do like a dues incentive, but if you do troop dues, it doesn't have to be financial. It could be though. You could also do a, you get first priority for, especially for cookie season, you get first priority for picking cookie booths. Now I think for troop leaders, that feels like a lot bigger of an incentive (laughs) than it does for the parent slash guardian. That might not be a huge draw. You could do some kind of giveaway, and that giveaway could be as big or little as you want. And also, there's like unofficial incentives, which are just to make them really fun to have good food, whether that's snacks or serving them an actual meal or coffee or something yummy and fun, and create like an environment where they actually want to go. (laughs) So, that can definitely help. The So if you can get them there, that's like the first step. And I feel too that one of the things that worked really well for us in my troop was also to try to make them as accessible as possible, where if you can't attend in person, you could potentially watch it live. So I mentioned this in the past on this podcast, but my troop has a Facebook group that's private that only has the adult members of our troop in it. And 
Now, granted, not everybody uses Facebook, so Facebook may or may not be a good viable option for your troop, but that we did have one for my troop and I would set up uh, my phone and go live in on Facebook at the same time as we were having a parents meeting so that the people who were there in person got it live, but the people who maybe had little ones that um, they were responsible for, uh, younger siblings or whatever, um, they could watch it from home. Or if they were on dinner duty or something at home or they had to work or something like that, it's something that they could have potentially on in the background. If it's not something that they could multitask, they just literally had to miss it, then they could potentially watch the replay at least. That way they could get the information just trying to make the information as available to them as possible. I really liked having beginning of the year parents meetings for going ahead and collecting dues and membership fees right there. Or if you have them sign up for their own membership renewal instead of you renewing the girls as a troop, then you could have, you know, tablets and or laptops there and just have them go ahead and renew their membership right on the spot so it's done. You can get all the parent permission slips at the same time at the beginning of the year. You can go ahead and have people sign up for either a snack rotation, a carpool rotation, meeting event um, attendance rotation, whatever it is that you're getting parent help and support with. Go ahead and get them to sign up at that initial beginning of the year parents meeting. That's really helpful. I also liked to get information from them at that meeting about what is going on with their girls. Doing a survey that's either anonymous or they have the option to identify the girl if it makes sense in context, but it could just totally be anonymous. And for them to be able to share A, what their expectations are from the troop and the troop leaders, and B, what what they what they want to go ahead and tell you about their girl, like what they're struggling with friends-wise or confidence-wise or whatever, something along those lines because then you have that to go off of for the year. That's also a really good place to establish precedent of this is how things are going to be. This is how I plan to do things. Now that also carries over into the cookie parent slash guardian meeting is a chance to establish precedent. This is the process we plan to follow, period. Um, I mentioned in some of the past episodes this past month that for if you're also the cookie parent for picking up additional inventory and for collecting money, having set hours, set times, set kind of guidelines is really helpful. So going ahead and letting parents know that up front also, for placing initial orders in my troop, I got my parents to submit initial orders for their girls, and that is what I based my troop initial order on in addition to whatever we planned to do booth-wise. So I could go ahead and give them suggested like suggested levels to what I did, three different tiers. I did the beginner introductory light package, a light start, I think I called it. I did the middle of the road, like recommended package. And I did the ambitious package. Okay. The I aspire to be a top seller package. And I would give them a little form to fill out with how many cookies they wanted of each flavor 
and I put my recommendations for those three different levels on that page so that they could choose what they wanted. And it was really easy for parents to be able to just like circle, I want a light start or I want the recommended amount instead of them having to make a choice. So that was, I found that to be really helpful. Some people would do, I want a light start plus an extra case of Thin Mints or I want a light start plus an extra six packages of um, gluten-free, whatever it is, because they happen to know they're gluten-free in their family or they have a family member who's gluten-free or whatever. So that's one thing that I definitely would do, or I guess two things I would definitely do at that parents meeting is establish what is the initial order from the parents that they're agreeing to. Of course, getting permission forms if you didn't already do that earlier in the year. And then so really three things. The third thing being setting some guidelines and some expectations around how it's going to be to collect inventory and to return inventory and and turn in money what the expectations are around turning in money make sure that they have all the deadlines that they need if there's a deadline that you're setting for returning inventory now some troops may choose to do there's no returns once you take it it's your financial responsibility period some troops may have up to this date you can return inventory or up to this date you could trade inventory with me. I think I waffle on whether or not parents can just straight up return. I think it's fair to have a date at least midway through the season, if not earlier in the season for returns so that you still have plenty of time to redistribute to other girls or to sell those cookies at a booth or if need be to offload to another troop. Nobody, no parents gonna blindside you with a bunch of returns at the end. And I pretty much am of the mentality I'll do trades for cookies of the same price. So if you have two different price points, some people, all their cookies are the same price. But if you have two different price points that you can trade a package of cookies for another package that is the same price at any point. And for me, that works okay because trades are usually fairly easy for me to deal with as a, an inventory manager. But you make the decision that's right for you. Going ahead and setting the expectation for those deadlines, also financial deadlines. You don't have to necessarily share what the deadlines are for your troop, but definitely when is all of the money, the final money, due by? And what happens if they don't turn in money? You definitely want to cover that, even though if they signed that permission form <laughs> with the financial responsibility, it is on there, but I would make sure you say it because a lot of parents are just signing it because they're like, oh, it's to give permission. I'll just sign it. So make sure they understand that when they check out cookies to sell individually, that they are agreeing to sell them individually. So if you have no idea what amount of cookies parents or families should take if you're brand new and you're just like, I don't even know what the like light start recommended or ambitious packages would look like, that's totally fair and reasonable. And I would say a really good thing for you to do would be to talk to other leaders in your area to get a sense of what they recommend. But generally speaking, if there are 12 packages in a case, then I personally would say that my personal, I think, I, I don't know what my numbers were off the top of my head, but what my guts would do if I were to create it right now would be to do one case of the chocolate, of the Thin Mints and the Samoas at least, or um, Thin Mints and the um, Caramel Delights. I would do one case of those as recommended. I would probably do then sixes of 
most of the other flavors and maybe just three of specialty flavors as a recommended start. I think a light start could be six of the chocolates. So six each Thin Mints Tagalongs slash peanut butter patties or and six caramel delights slash Samoas. And then I would do threes of the others. And pretty much any family in my area would be able to sell either of those packages fairly easily. Pretty much if you are making an ask of your community, your friends and family and the people that you that you would consider in your personal network, you should be able to sell those. And then for an ambitious start, I would probably do two cases of Thin Mints, two cases of Samoas slash Caramel Delights, a case of the Tagalongs slash peanut butter patties, and then maybe sixes of the others. I personally am just not, I'm not a big advocate for over ordering but my troop also wasn't a crazy selling troop i've said that before my troop was a pretty pretty low stakes selling and it's possible that i'm being really modest right now it's been i haven't sold cookies since 2020 it's possible that my packages were actually higher like maybe i did do what i called ambitious right now might have been our recommended <laughs> Back then, I really, I don't remember. But I think if you are nervous or you're new and you just have no idea, starting on the lower side for recommendations to families is good because I've shared this before, but you should theoretically be able to get more. And as a troop, you're going to order more than just the parents' initial order. So parents will be able to get more from you. But in a best worst case scenario, right? The best worst case scenario is that parents sell out. They would sell more if they had them, but you don't have any more to give them. Like your troop sells out of everything that you get. That's a best worst case scenario. A worst case scenario is you severely overorder and you have a ton of cookies and you literally can't sell them. And then you're trying really hard to scramble to offload cases and cases of cookies and you're in panic mode. Actually, the, the more I think about it, the more I'm very confident that we probably did recommend two cases of Thin Mints and two cases of Samoas slash Caramel Delights for our recommended start. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Again, I'm going to say it. it's better to be modest and to sell out and to be done if you can't get more cookies, you probably will be able to get more cookies because there's going to be other troops who are scrambling. So you're going to be able to get cookies from troops that are scrambling. But better to be in a position where you're sold out and you could have done more if you had them. But, oh, I guess you can't. In in as comparison to I just can't sell these cookies and now we're on the hook for all of these packages that we can't sell. And instead of making money, our troop now lost money. That's a worst case scenario. So to avoid that, I just tend to be on the side of if we sold out, that'd be fantastic. Now, of course, we want to maximize the opportunity. We want to optimize this money earning opportunity and we want to make the money that we need to make in order to operate the way we want to operate. So you take all those things into consideration for an initial order as a troop, but your troop initial order and your parent initial order are going to look different. So anyway, you may live in an area where girls sell cookies at four times the pace that I'm talking about, in which case you might have much larger orders. 
but for some people you may be in areas where girls i know there's some parts of our council where neighbors live literally miles apart there so there is no just walking door to door and so different areas are going to have different needs there are some areas that are really oversaturated with girl scouts so if you know that in your small or modest sized neighborhood, there's 10 Girl Scouts, then they're all competing for the same neighbors. And also all your neighbors are Girl Scout families. They've already got cookies in their house. They don't need to buy them from you. That's gonna impact your ability. And then there's other places where there's literally one troop in the whole town. And so <laughs> you have the opportunity to sell to everyone potentially. All of this to say that those numbers may or may not be helpful for you that I threw out. And you may have, if you're not new, you may have listened to those numbers and thought, that makes no sense. That's absolutely way too little or that's absolutely way too much. And that's totally fine. Everybody is going to be different. That's why I started off with saying you're going to want to talk to leaders in your area if you're new and you're overwhelmed. But I just didn't want to not offer any numbers at all. Anyway, I would make recommendations. Once you know what girls sold in previous years individually, you can actually pull those numbers and see what their individual sales numbers were compared to their booth numbers. And you can also tell parents that when they go to place their order and they're like, man, I don't remember what she sold last year. How many did we take out last year? You can help them through that as well. So I do collect initial order information from parents at that parents meeting. And then the other thing that I would do is address booths. So at the time that you have your parents meeting in an ideal world, you have an idea of what booths you're going to be doing. Depending on the timing of things and how things work in your council, you may have no idea what booths you're going to be able to do at that time. But if you do have a booth schedule, that's a great time to get parents to go ahead and sign up for booths. If you don't have a booth schedule yet or you don't have any booths secured yet, this is a good time to explain to them what kind of places might be good for booths. And then following your council's policies, asking them if they have any contacts or if they're willing to go out and make solicitations of can making connections, can we sell at a booth in front of your store and here's the next steps of what to do or making suggestions to you of places they think would make good booths and you do the outreach, whatever it might look like in your troop, so that you can start getting booths on your schedule. And then if you don't have any booths on your schedule yet, or even if you do and you get signups for what you do have, also letting them know this is how you'll sign up for booth spots in the future. Here's what we're going to use. I personally used like a Google Sheet and just gave parents editing access to add their girls' names if they could attend. And if I had a booth that needed to be filled, I would just reach out in general to the troop first and say, hey, we have a booth coming up and I don't have enough girls signed up for it or I need more girls or whatever. This booth just got added. First come, first serve. And then that from there, if I need help filling the booth, I would reach out specifically to the families who are most enthusiastic about participating in booths and I would ask them to sign up from there. Letting them know, setting clear expectations. This is how many girls would work a booth at a time. This is how many adults would work a booth at a time. I need each one of you to agree to, or each family to have a parent or a guardian representative, a registered and background checked adult to help out with a booth, at least one during the, the season, if that's going to work for you. For me personally, I would just say we need two adults at each booth that are registered and background checked. I definitely am going to attend as many as I can. I would pretty much do all of them. 
but I need another adult with me. And then I would have people sign up. And again, in a pinch, if I have enough girls, but I don't have another adult signed up, I would reach out to the parent contacts for the girls who are scheduled to attend the booth and say, hey, we've got enough girls, but I need another adult. Would you be willing to stay with me? And let them know if we don't have two registered background checked adults, we can't do the booth. So we need to have another adult who can come and just go from there. I've, I've shared this on here before, but I'm definitely a big advocate for hand picking people and directly asking them, will you do this? Number one, because you can hand pick the adults that you most want <laughs> their help. And by that, who do you want to sit with for two to four to six hours at a cookie booth? If you're asking them to come help you, who do you most want there? Because there's some parents in your troop who you probably don't want to sit with. And there's some parents that you absolutely would have a great time. I think handpicking is great for that reason. Also, directly asking someone for help with something goes generally has a better result than just asking a whole group, hey, is will anyone do this? I need someone to do this. That puts the onus on somebody to step up and say, okay, I will. Whereas if you directly ask someone, hey, will you, unless they can't, they're going to say yes. So I'm a big fan of that. So I definitely would talk about that. And let's see, I'm trying to think, definitely making sure they know the sales dates. So I talked a little bit about dates before as far as when things are due, but you also really want to make sure parents know the date that cookies are arriving, what the distribution, initial distribution process is going to be. My troop, generally, cookies were distributed to troops, like from council. Troops were able to go pick them up the weekend um, before MLK Day, and then our sales starts traditionally on MLK Day. And my troop would often meet the Tuesday after MLK Day, so like the very next day. What worked best for us, to be completely honest, was for me, the troop leader, to go pick up the cookies to bring them to our meeting destination because we had a really good relationship with the people who ran the church where we met. And I could go ahead and store some cookies there. Just They let us store cookies there for longer if we wanted to, but but I kept them at my house, but just for inventory management. But for two days, I would keep the cookies that needed to be picked up as part of the initial order for parents. I would put them at, go ahead and drop them at the church. And then before our meeting, I would, on Tuesday, I would organize them by family. So they were already set up and ready to go and ready to be picked up. And then I would put a volunteer, like either a co-leader or whatever, on the parent pickup of those cookie orders while another co-leader was running the, the meeting or multiple co-leaders are running the meeting, right? I would have somebody running that cookie pickup with receipts, etc. And <clears throat> so for us, my families didn't even get their cookies until the sale technically had started the day before. But I still, it just means they lost one day. And yes, it was a day that the girls were off school. That's a lot of people's favorite day to go door to door. But for us, it just worked best rather than trying to organize getting them to pick up cookies, but they're not allowed to sell until a certain time on a certain day and blah, blah. When they pick it up Tuesday night at our troop meeting, they can just sell it immediately. That's fine. That worked well for us. There's, but whatever your kind of pickup process and timeline looks like, I would let them know that and set expectations around that. 
definitely let them know if it's something where they're all going to be waiting to pick up at the same time. Hey, this is a bit of a timely, time-consuming process, so we appreciate your patience, and we're going to move as quickly and efficiently as we can to make sure that everybody has a really positive experience, but it is going to take some time, so go ahead and let them know that. And I think other dates that are really important is when the the sale date starts, because if they're going to have cookies in hand before the sale date, then they really need to know they can't sell them before your sale starts. And the reason why has to do with permits in your local area. All your permits to sell start on a certain day at a certain time. So make sure that they know that they can't sell prior to that. They can't even take orders. They can let people know cookie season's coming. I will definitely be happy to take your order starting this date, but they can't even take orders until that date. So make sure they know that. And I would also make sure they know the end date of the sale, right? That's going to coincide with around the time that money is due. So make sure they know that. And then I would let them know also what kind of the best practices are for accepting money So cash is great. That's the easiest as far as the process goes, but it is definitely messy as far as like it's easy for the cash count to be wrong, either when the parent accepts it or the parent holding on to cash for any amount of time before they give it to you. And by the time the parent does give it to you, it might not be the right amount that they expected it to be. So cash is definitely messy, but it is the like least regulated way. If you accept, you can accept any amount of cash and you turn it in. You do want to talk to them perhaps about the denominations of bills. For counterfeit purposes, there's, you could talk about the ways to check bills to see if they are likely counterfeit. Now, most likely nobody in their community, their personal community or their friends and family would intentionally use a counterfeit bill to pay for Girl Scout cookies. Most likely nobody, make sure you that you're saying this when you're talking about counterfeit bills, nobody in their family or friends group would intentionally buy 20, 50, $100 worth of cookies with fake bills. They're not trying to scam you. But if we can't use that bill, if the bank declines that bill, because it's fake, then we are on the hook for that money. Essentially, then the parent is on the hook for any of the bills that they accept. So you can go ahead and tell them don't accept any bills over 20, or you can show them how to check for counterfeits. Most people aren't going to pay in bills over 20 anyway, but you can go ahead and have that conversation. Checking in the light is, of course, like a good way to check a counterfeit bill, but then also I went ahead and got those counterfeit pens. Now, I've heard that one of the problems with those pens is that they really only check whether the paper is the correct quality paper. And I guess there is like a version of counterfeiting where they wash out the paper and then reprint on the same paper a different denomination of bill. So the pen isn't going to catch whether or not it's been reprinted. It's going to say that it's a valid bill even if it's not. So the light test is supposed to be like holding it up to the light and checking the actual bill that way. That's the best way to check for a counterfeit, but I would do both. (laughs) 
counterfeit bills made me really nervous but the only one i ever only ones i ever saw were actually really low denominations i never saw any uh counterfeit high denomination bills in my personal experience and when it's a low denomination and it comes back as counterfeit people are really surprised and the only reason i would even check it is if it felt weird or once i took it to the bank wouldn't accept it because that particular bill was a one or a five and it they couldn't take it so it was counterfeit anyways i would talk about that if there's a way that you can accept credit cards in your council, if there's a way for families to accept credit cards, I would talk to them about that. Now, that's going to look different depending on your council. You might use different systems or have different rules or restrictions around different systems, so I'm not going to go too far down there, that pipeline. But generally speaking, if girls sign up for digital cookie, which I haven't even talked about, but if they sign up to be able to, to sell cookies from a website, then... There's usually a way, at least, that they could enter someone's order as a pickup order through the website, even from their phone, and have a customer pay by credit card that way. They can set it as girl delivery, and they can just go ahead and sell right there. So even when you're going door to door, somebody could place, essentially place an order on the girl's website for girl delivery, and she can hand them the cookies, and they'll have entered their credit card information. So that's one way to accept credit card orders, no matter what other ways there are. But your council might use different things like Clover and Square and I don't, I don't even know what other <laughs> what the other things are that uh, you can accept payment. I think Pay Anywhere we used at one point. So any of those credit card systems that is or is not allowed in your council, that's very council dependent and you really need to work with your council on that to know what that correct policy is. But for my troop, when we got the ability to take credit cards at first as a troop, my troop parents did not have the ability to take credit cards. So the only way was to do that workaround that in the beginning. The only way was for them to do that workaround where they could accept credit card payments through their girl's digital cookie website and then they placed it as a girl delivery order so there's no shipping and then you just the parent has to from the back end go in and approve that order when you get home or whatever you can just go through and approve all those orders that you did while you were walking about or whatever yes so there's that so there's always that version to take credit cards but whatever other versions there are i would make sure you talk about that and then, of course, there's checks. When it comes to accepting checks, generally speaking, my rule for my troop was that I would, I got to, at first I was no checks ever, like I won't accept checks. Then it got to the point where I would accept a check from a troop parent, like a, one of our troop families, but I would not accept checks from anybody that wasn't part of our troop community. So if somebody wrote them a check, then I didn't take that. But you can use your council's policy slash your comfort level with whether or not you accept checks. You just don't want to end up with bounce fees. That's the only tricky part. I did occasionally get parents who would turn in checks anyway, and we would just it, we never had a problem, thankfully, but I did have a rule of no checks and just to tell people, no, you can't accept a check. But weirdly, checks do still come up here and there. It's interesting because a lot of people, a lot of young, younger adults don't even know how to write a check these days. So it's funny 
that checks are still definitely part of cookie season. I think because credit cards aren't necessarily as easy for all troops that it's an alternative to cash. Anyway, use your opinion about checks. My personal feeling was, hey, if they if you, if they want to write a check and you want to accept it, you can take that personal burden on yourself. They can write the check to you and then you can cash that out. That's between you and them. I don't even want to know about it, but the reality is that's technically a commingling of funds. That's not recommended. Some people will also pull a thing where they accept whatever cash or whatever versions of payments and they'll deposit it into their own account and then they want to pay you like either a check or they want to go ahead and just give you their credit card and just have you or debit card or whatever and just have you run for the whole amount that they owe you again that's technically commingling of funds but at the same time if they signed a financial liability form saying they are taking the financial responsibility for all of the cookies that they are checking out then technically they're just paying for the cookies that they took. <laughs> so you use your discrepancy on what you will and won't accept, but the parent slash guardian meeting is a great opportunity to establish how you can and cannot accept payment from them and how they can or cannot accept payment, what your troop policies are going to be. And definitely this needs to be rooted in what the guidelines and regulations are in your council. Hopefully that makes sense. But I would definitely cover that. And then, of course, I mentioned these the girls' websites. That's another thing that you want to talk about is the different ways that they can sell, including on the website. So if they are going to sell on a website, on if they're going to do a, a girl website, they need to know what date they are going to receive the email inviting them to set up the page and also what email address that's going to go to. So if you can set that expectation of what that email is going to look like and then what the steps are to get it set up, what the kind of deadlines or like guidelines are to get that set up, and then how it works where there's two ways people can order to have orders shipped or they can order to have girl delivery. And the girl delivery orders have to get approved on the back end by the parent or guardian. The shipping orders are going to get shipped from the baker, not from us. So they don't need to do anything with the shipping orders. They just get credit for the sale. They don't have to turn in any money for it and they don't have to deliver anything. With girl delivery orders, they do not have to collect money for it. It's already been collected on the website, but they do have to deliver the actual order. They're responsible for that out of their own inventory. And from your side, the the money is going to go directly toward their balance and it's going to get directly deposited into your account for your you literally don't need to do anything it's just all gonna work out on the back end which is great i did see somebody had commented in the facebook group our facebook group that their council was having an issue where there was a disconnection between the cookie websites and their back end system that sounds like a total nightmare Obviously, there are exceptions where it doesn't all just talk to each other the way it's supposed to, but that never happened to me personally. So I would say like most of the time, generally speaking, you don't need to worry about that. So you don't need to explain to your parents. Just you want to set the expectation. This is like how it works and what they are and aren't responsible for. And then also clarifying what the other ways are that they can and can't sell cookies. So again, sale dates, what any restrictions or regulations are for going door to door like girls shouldn't go unaccompanied they need to be accompanied by a trusted adult they what should they say what how can they carry cookies with them what are some of the recommended ways 
what are some tips for making that successful? So whether that's having door knockers for people who don't answer the door so they can come back later, no soliciting signs, you want to address that, like all kinds of things like that. And then also you want to talk about how that they can sell cookies. What's the difference between a booth and a standabout or a lemonade stand? and a style booth and and where they can and can't do that lemonade stand slash walkabout or standabout that needs to be on your own private property we talked about this in a previous episode like that that's the difference walkabouts in public areas you want to follow whatever the procedures are in your area but also if there is a troop that has a booth that's from council and they're set up selling you can't sell there okay and you need to make sure your parents understand that for example just this is just an example i would not sell in a parking lot anyways of a grocery store but let's just use this as an example if there's a really busy parking lot with maybe a grocery store like a Walmart and a movie theater and a Best Buy and like all these things that get a lot of traffic and there's tons and tons of cars and people around and there is a troop that's boothing at Walmart. You can't just walk around the parking lot selling cookies, okay? Hopefully that's clear. But if there's a troop that's boothing, they have the rights to that area. Again, I wouldn't go around because technically in shopping centers, that's private property anyway. That's commercial property. So I wouldn't walk around there without permission anyway. But especially if there's a booth there, you can't do that. Similarly, I, during cookie season, pretty much always had cookies in the back of my car at all times, pretty much. And so often if I was putting groceries away or something like that, Somebody in the parking lot is going to see my cookie boxes and they're going to ask, hey, can I buy some cookies? That happened a lot. And if there's a booth in the same parking lot, the correct protocol would be to direct that customer to the booth because technically by council policy, that's their customer. Okay, I'm not going to judge you if you sell to somebody who directly asks you for cookies, but I just want to tell you what the correct protocol is for it. And definitely don't solicit business to, to someone who has a booth set up. So I would make sure that parents know that kind of thing. Also, you're going to want to talk about donations. Some people will want to just donate in general. Like, I don't want the cookies, but I'll just donate. Some people will specifically donate packages. And you can talk about this is a thing. You can ask for that. And first of all, that's like an upsell strategy or a alternate selling strategy so if they say no all together you can actually offer that okay so none for you if they say the reason why is like they can't eat sugar or something like that then asking if they'd like to make a donation to send um, packages to whatever the donation protocol is in your area um, whatever you've decided to do as a troop or whatever your council's is then you could mention that and some people will still choose to do that and you can also do it as an upsell technique where they agree to buy however many and then you say, do you want to add one more package as a donation to whatever the donation is going to? <laughs> so like we would do usually to U.S. soldiers stationed overseas. So we would say, do you want to add a package? Do you want to add one more box of cookies to, or do you want to add one more, five more dollars, whatever it is? Do you want to add one more to send a package of cookies to soldiers stationed overseas? 
Or would you like to match that for soldiers stationed overseas? You can use whatever your gut tells you in the moment or whatever the girl wants to say. But letting parents know that is a thing. And primarily you're going to work with the girls on their sales pitch and things like that. But making sure the parents know that they that is a thing to the and that any donations, even if somebody just is like, here's two dollars, I just want to make a donation toward Girl Scouts, whatever, like here, have some money. I'm not going to buy cookies. Then that's what they should do with that money is put it towards donations and then donated boxes. And then let's see. I'm trying to think of what else. I don't want to miss anything important, but I do feel like that covers the bases. There could be other things that, of course, come up that maybe you would wish you would say or whatever. You might add to your list for the next year if you're getting a certain question over and over. But those are the biggest things that I would say need to be addressed in that context in a parents meeting. And now somebody said, Stacy said, maybe talk about how to avoid getting the same question six different times, even though you did address it in the parent meeting. So one thing is that I definitely would put together something in writing that covers the the information that you covered during the parents meeting. So something that they can either go through while you're giving the parents meetings just to follow along because it's a lot of information, but also something to refer back to. And then when they ask, and, and a lot of councils, by the way, also provide a parent guide. And so either digitally or a physical copy of a parent and guardian guide, there usually is a PDF or a booklet specifically for parents. So if you don't have something like that, you could create one, but there, there you don't you shouldn't have to duplicate it. You should, of course, it's not going to have like your personal what your schedule is or what your troop protocols are for things. But that I would make even like a one page handout to put references to or you can make your own guide. But anyways, so I would definitely give them something in writing and then also email it out afterwards virtually, digitally, so that they have it. If you have a Facebook group or something like that where you can post files, I would also post it there. And then when somebody asks you a question that you've already answered, I would answer it and say it's on page six of the parent's guide and then link to it in case they lost their physical copy and let them know. Here, I'll link to it here just in case you lost your physical copy, right? So that's your gentle way of saying you have this information. But in general, you know what? They're probably just going to ask you, especially if you're all new or if that specific parent is new. It's okay to ask the question more than once. And I think it's better that they ask the question than do it wrong <laughs> or say they didn't know and then it's your problem. So I, I definitely personally think it's better to ask the same question multiple times and just to make the information available in as many ways as possible. And yeah, similarly, if you were to go live and you had the recording of the meeting available, and if you don't have a Facebook group, by the way, you could schedule it as a Zoom meeting and either all the parents are virtual or if you can't attend in person, you could attend on Zoom, okay, and just record the Zoom and then you could even post it on YouTube as an unlisted video. So you have a, a URL to the replay that only you can only view the video if you have the direct link. So it's not going out to the general public. You can't just like search for it on YouTube. And then then you have the replay link that way instead of like in a Facebook group. So that's also totally reasonable, whatever works for you. And I think really you could do it both ways. You could be live on Facebook 
on one phone. You could be using somebody else's phone to record it on Zoom and just get it all the ways. Get it all the ways in all the places so that people are getting the information they need wherever they're accessing information, wherever they might think to look for it. So I'm not saying have three parents meetings. I'm saying have one but then have it posted in all of those places. <laughs> so anyways, and then if somebody asks for a specific question, you could have like timestamps in the description that say you can go back and add those timestamps after the meeting's done, right? And then you can say from 25 minutes to 31 minutes, we talked about digital cookie, right? Or whatever it is. And then when somebody asks you a question, you can send them the link to the like digital reference document and say it's on page six of this here's the link in case you lost your cop your physical copy also if you'd rather hear me talk about this here's the video from the parents meeting and it's at this timestamp. <laughs> and then that way they know hey listen not only have i answered this before but here's all these places that i have made this information available to you and still you're answering their question but at least that way, it's also emphasizing to them, I am not sending you up the creek without a, pot, a paddle, right? I am making this as accessible as possible, and I'm trying to make sure you have the information in every way possible. And that's like reinforcing, look what a good leader I am. <laughs> So that's just my two cents. Anyways, I hope that this was helpful. I know a lot of you have already had your parent or guardian meetings. So I mentioned this two weeks ago, but I just felt like, you know, it's too late for me to have done this. I should have done this back in the beginning of December, done this episode. But to be honest, December was just a total blur to me. I shared on here, I was really sick. And then that plus the holiday season, it just honestly, November and December were a vortex for me. So I... I just didn't do this then and it felt like it was too late but seriously so many I know people say that all the time so many of you are asking but I really received so many messages from people this week saying please do a parent or guardian meeting it'll help us for next year and I'm already thinking my my wheels are already turning about what I want to say next year and some people said I haven't had mine yet so <laughs> it's not too late so hopefully this is helpful for you and yeah if there's anything glaring that I forgot that needs to be addressed in a parent meeting go to the Facebook group if you're on Facebook it is the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Facebook group you can search for it it's private but you can search for it or you can go to facebook.com slash Girl Scout podcast that's actually the page but the there's a link to join the group right in there so you can do that and and let me know in the Facebook group what I forgot if you're not on Facebook you can send me an email, girlscoutpodcast.gmail.com, and let me know, hey, you forgot this, and then I will disseminate the information as well to others so we can all help each other. I guess like a big part of this podcast is that we shouldn't all have to recreate the wheel on our own. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully, as always, this is helpful to you, and I will talk to you later. See you next week. <laughs>